Hello and warm welcome to the stories we tell. I'm your host Nitishanti, a teacher and facilitator of conscious living here at Round Glass. As we approach the end of our first season, we wanted to take a look back at our favorite moments of wisdom from each of our guests. One of the things that I personally took away from all these conversations we had was the vulnerability that every single one of our guests showed as we spoke they weren't just trying to project uh, how they got it all together how they figured it all out every single one of our guests talked about the challenges they faced and the and the, and the doubts they had and the hesitations they had and how they got stuck some of these people are sports people some of them are authors some of them are teachers uh, some of them are doing cutting edge work in science and technology we had a whole range of speakers and every single one of them they showed their human side and to me the lesson here is that we don't need to have the super polished image uh, in order for uh, ourselves to be successful and happy we can be raw we can be real and that's what makes life so beautiful please enjoy our look back at season 1 perhaps all of us have a mental model of what transformation is about just like i had in, i i shared in my story that oh i thought it's about meditating correctly and meditating better and and then i realized that no it was just actually helping other people and that's where mm. the shift happened so it's it's so interesting how maybe it's good for all of us to reflect that you know whatever our mental idea is of what it would take to be a better person live a better life it's not necessarily so uh, we should we should perhaps be more open minded and open hearted and how and how to find happiness is serving others you know serving mm. others dedicating your life to others you know i get so much happiness when i'm able to give and nobody knows that i'm giving you know what mm. why why keep all this wealth to yourself is that going to yeah. make you happy when somebody else is 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 struggling my emancipation is tied up in your emancipation how can i be completely free when people around me aren't free we ha- really for me i see it that i'm bo- life is about service how would you recommend to someone who's inspired by your message and recognizes that yes serving others altruism this is a really important aspect of their life how can people get started how people can get started is beginning to help themselves when we help ourselves we help others i always say that you need to be able to come from a place of peace so that's what they hear and that's what's going to impact people so you know it's not like being of service you've got to write a book or you've got to start a movement being of service is helping yourself some people would would test us some people would challenge us because some people don't want you to change yeah they don't want you they they want to try and sabotage that but you'll get through that so that's what i say is we begin with ourselves that's where it begins it's not that you can't produce amazing music or become famous but that shouldn't be the first priority the first priority has to be the love of your craft has to be the real passion that got you into it in the first place and then we can um, amazing things may happen but it's coming from the right spirit otherwise it becomes otherwise you can be very disappointed when things don't work out as we had hoped or in the time frame that we had hoped yeah i think it's about balance right like a, you know absolutely if you want to become a successful musician you should go and do that but don't sacrifice yourself by letting it become a part of this like impenetrable ego 
And there's there's some essential elements about who we are that have been true for thousands of years as human beings. And one of them is contemplation, that our ancestors spent a lot more time just looking at the beautiful vista or sitting in the cave by the fire. They didn't have all the devices, to, you know, like they weren't browsing their feeds. There's not much to do. So you try to get food, you try to stay safe, you try to stay warm. And once you're there, you just sit. And that's what that's what our ancestor di ancestors did. And the other thing they did was sing and dance around the fire. And there was no audience. <laughs> there was no audience performer divide. You know, it was just so fundamentally, music is a part of who we are. And that practice is tens of thousands of years old. And the practice of recording music is a hundred years old. And so, in some ways, historically, I think I've just sort of tapped into the historical ancestral root of what music has been to our species for eternity, as opposed to the modern conceptualization of what music is in our current society. Like the rock star illusion is 100% fueled by screens and stories and album covers and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to be able to see through that. I think if, especially if you like me, we're, we're forming an unhealthy, ego-driven relationship with it. And that was me. I don't think everyone is doing that. That's me. I was in that trap. But thankfully, music provided an opportunity to escape that trap within music, but also within my entire life. I began to train for the next Olympics with the hopes that I would defend my long jump title, that I would defend um, our 4 by 100 meter relay title. And my body just was not cooperating. Mm. As an Olympian, I had access to the U.S. Olympic Committee and uh, the training center and their medical resources. So I was going to the medical center, basically like to get a, a physical, like, hey, I'm going for the Olympics. Let's make sure nothing's really wrong with me. And we learned I was anemic. So we began to treat the anemia with iron infusions, which uh, was helpful for some time. But eventually I, I asked the team doctor, like, something made me anemic. And it turned out like I was having irregular um, menstrual cycles with a lot of bleeding. Like at one point it was yeah. 45 days straight of just heavy wow. and like no wonder I had no energy. But they weren't receptive to what I was saying because uh, to them, I was just a girl with period issues, you know, mm. so they didn't really take it too seriously. So I kept getting iron infusions and I kept getting worse. I had a little bit of energy for a while, but with the hemorrhaging still happening, I wasn't catching up. And I just could see my dream of returning to the Olympics slipping away. Mm. And I began to blog about it um, on my personal page because I was just frustrated. And that's how I expressed myself. A lot of women reached out to me privately and said, I think you need to maybe see a gynecologist. And, you know, I was just like, oh, maybe they keep telling me it's anemia. And our team doctor honestly was a chiropractor. And so mm -hmm. with the support of those women who I didn't even know, I went back to Colorado Springs and I said, I would like to see a gynecologist. And oh, I got a little bit of pushback, but I felt like I had the strength of my sisters online who were <laughs> like, do it, do it, do it. That day in the office, trying to advocate for seeing the gynecologist. The doctor surprisingly really was resistant to that. And I had to, at one point, I remember slamming my fist on his desk and saying, I am dying and I'm asking, no, I'm begging you if I can see the specialist. I am the reigning Olympic champion. I am in your office. 
telling you I am dying and I will die on your watch if you do not make this happen. And that was the first time he kind of looked at me like, oh, this might be very serious. Three hours later, I was having surgery, having a tumor removed. Uh, what is what insight can you share with our listeners? What is a sensible way for us to navigate? Inevitably, there's going to be loss in our life. How can we navigate this? Well, I think to me and subsequently, uh, when I've worked with people, of course, you can't spiritually or mentally bypass the grief. You know, it doesn't matter that maybe later it's going to be uh, a learning experience and it doesn't matter that maybe later there's incredible lessons and growth happening in the moment when our heart grieves. And like you were saying with your father, right, like that that shock of that moment where there's a line and that and there is no coming back from that. Right. That's I think that's yes. such an in intense human experience that I think it's important to not skip that. And it's really important to let mm. yourself feel the abject pain and shock and grief. And, you know, there's a real wisdom in uh, when you see people grieving very, you know, very loudly sometimes, but very animatedly, because uh, I read this incredibly beautiful quote by um a beautiful teacher named Martin Prechtel. And he was saying that essentially grief is praise. We grieve the things we love. We grieve the things that we honor. And so grieving things is giving them the proper value within our heart. And I think there's something really powerful wow. in that. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like as opposed to oh my goodness, you're you're dealing with the loss. It's like you're honoring something that's been so important to you. That's right, and I think that's one of the most important things that I can really say is that when you can allow yourself to feel how much you loved, and that the grief is an expression of your love. There is an honoring and there is a praising. And within that, there is a bodily reaction. And so I think that's the most important thing is that we don't draw the conclusion too early, right? That we don't, we don't uh, skip the step of the honoring, of the praising, of the loving before we go to the lesson. I'm sure there have been so many lessons along the way for you, but I'm just putting myself in in the shoes of uh, maybe a teenager or maybe someone who's also dealing with mental mental health issues and just in, in very simple, grounded ways, as you are so grounded with all that you've been through, what could be certain things that we can offer them in today's conversation that might help them? I keep coming back to, to listening, the power of, of listening. Young people aren't listened to enough, particularly when it comes to technology and social media you know there's a lot that these young people are having to deal with at, a, at an early age when i grew up when we grew up we didn't have social media thank thankfully or technology but yeah i i just feel that young people too often are just shut down they're just shut down and people say just, come on just get off your phone just just stop playing with your phone and we need to listen and understand what young people are going through when they are you know, on their phones, seeing the things that they see. There's there's some really difficult stuff that young people are, are seeing on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, whatever platform. And they need a space to process that. 
and not just social media or, or technology, but everything in the world that, that's happening and has happened, you know, it's really impacting young people. And again, they're, they're just not given enough space to, to, to talk and to be listened to. Also, there's so much focus, I think, on, on school and exams and, and pressures of, of academia. And uh, when I go into schools and I talk to young people, I really just try and give them lots of space and and time time i think is so key as well to really share whatever's going on for them and um it's just it doesn't happen enough in our in our world that we live in mm. you know um and and listening without judgment and listening actively and not trying to fix or sort something out just really truly properly listening i'm curious about the time since then since you've moved on from your teaching career and you're doing what you love. And I'm sure you love teaching as well. It's just the career of teaching is sometimes not that promising. And like you said, there's so many limitations. But since then, and I'm sure our listeners will be very curious, have you ever uh, second guessed and said, hey, I wish I'd kept that secure career. Maybe it didn't pay so well, but it, it was secure. I got all these benefits. And have you had times where you wondered if it was the right thing to do? Have there been ups and downs like that? Anything you'd like to share around that journey? Well, I had to think about that one a lot. I don't think I've ever had a regret as far as that. That is the one thing that uh, I have some small regrets in life, but that's not one of them. You know, I put the two weeks notice in expecting that two weeks from then I would be, you know, starting this journey. And then I was forced to start it two weeks early. So I got really worried. I was, that was the time where I was just like, what did I do? Like, oh man, like, I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. Like, this was way too soon. I was hoping to build a little nest egg by having some time. So those, those couple of weeks were a little touch and go, but I think, but they taught me so much about myself because at that time I knew that I had to make tough decisions, like, you know, cutting unnecessary expenses out of my life and learning how to budget and things like that. I was like, okay, everything that's not necessary, that's a monthly bill. It has to go. Uh, so it taught me so much about myself. And, uh, and I think I kind of prefer that feeling of my back against the wall, you know, mm. I think it's what it, what it taught me is that, you know, you can, you can easily get complacent if you know that, you know, where your next meal is coming from, you know, where the, the check is coming from, you know, where the next True. opportunity is coming from, you know, you know, every Friday there's a pay waiting for you. But with me, there is not. True. I love that. And I thrive on that type of pressure, you know, and that's what I learned about myself is that Amazing. I wasn't able to get that, that adrenaline rush from working a traditional job. You know, I had a moment of regret, but I learned so much about myself that it just turned me into, I think a much better person, you know? I think I became a bit of an evangelist with meditation and I just wanted everyone to meditate and, and I would steer almost every conversation towards meditation. I'm like, I'm think, I would say that's because you guys are not meditating. That's because you're not meditating. Every problem is because you're not meditating. It's like if all you have is a hammer, then the whole world is full of nails, you know. I guess I became really very critical of myself that I got a, 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 this idea that if I don't do my morning meditation and my morning routine, then I can't have a happy day. Mm. So I had to actually unlearn that. Wow. So it was, yeah. 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 Well, I think that that's really interesting. <laughs> I can totally relate to this in so many levels because <laughs> I can easily attach, and I'm a big fan. You know, I, I love yoga philosophy and I, I practice yoga, and attachment is one of the main 
<laughs> like reasons why we suffer. And so having that attachment to something and gripping so hard that the thing that brings you peace becomes the thing that brings you anxiety and stress and suffering, right? So I think it's the reason why I feel like I've had to redefine my own definition of success is because of that attachment. Because I think, oh, when I get here, then I'll be happy. And then I get to this place and then I and then I don't feel happy. And then it's like, oh, what that means when I get to the next when I accomplish the next goal, then I'll be happy. Right. Or when I when I start a podcast, then I'll feel successful. Or when I get a book deal, then I'll be successful. Actually, when I finish the book, then I'll be successful. Or when I actually the book is out, then I'll feel successful. And it's like this constant elusive place that there is no there there <laughs> you mm. know there is no there there that we get to it's just now it's just the present moment it's just having the contentment with what is actually here that is is the opportunity to feel that success there's so many things that I want to ask you. Uh, but first of all I just want to acknowledge how even though you've talked about the difficulty that Bradley had, it's also not easy being a parent to such a child who is sensitive and who is affected by the smallest things. And of course, he has so much of talent and genius inside of him. At the same time, every single day seems to be such a struggle. So I also want to acknowledge your pain and your challenge. And I also want to ask you, what is it like for you to every day balance yourself? I'm sure you have your own challenges in life. And then you have to be there available for your son. What helped you be balanced inwardly? That's a really good question because I also had two other children. You're very pulled wanting to help all of your children and give them all what they need, but they all have different needs. And you have to be careful that you're not detracting from the attention that you provide to the other children because there's so much need by one. And, and there's actually even a condition called the unaffected sibling, where the children who are not suffering, and it could be a mental health issue, it can be a chronic physical illness, any kind of severe challenge that one of the siblings is experiencing, you know, the other kids, it's very, very difficult for them. One thing I highly, highly recommend is doing what it takes to stay calm. And I wasn't a meditator or a mindfulness person back then. We ended up teaching Bradley about mindfulness, and he had a meditation teacher, and we didn't do that stuff when he was younger and, and when I was a young parent, and I wish I had. It's the whole oxygen mask theory. You have to take care of yourself first, put your oxygen mask on first before you can give the oxygen mask to the person that's traveling with you. Right. So you really need to take care of yourself, and that means meditation, journaling, and I think that therapy to the extent that you have the resources and, and you can access therapy, I think it's really, really important for the parent as well as the child that's struggling. I saw a picture yesterday of someone had shared the low battery indicator for a phone. And they said that you wouldn't let your phone get to that place. You'd always charge it. So why do you let yourself get to that place? Oh, that's great. I like that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And being um, present when you were talking, that made me think about just being mindful and being present because I I used to try to figure out like when the next shoe was going to drop. So if she was having a good day, I would be worried about 
is this going to change in the next minute or is tomorrow going to be horrible? Is she not going to be able to get out of bed tomorrow instead of appreciating the good day? So now I just really, I really try to focus on being mindful and being present. And if today is okay, I'm good with that. One thing that you said is very much in alignment with Indian philosophy, especially the spiritual book, the Gita, which talks about nishkam karam, which means you do things to the best of your ability, but you don't get hung up on the outcomes. And I found it really powerful when you said that, you know, I had to come to terms with the fact that this could actually go there. This, this is the way the disease is and it can actually happen. And by coming to terms with it and not getting hung up on that should never happen, that's out of my, that I definitely want to control that. In a way, you've been able to show up more completely and you've been able to show up, do your best, offer her the tools, offer her the resources and know that at the end of the day, it's not in your hands and you can take care of yourself and you can do the best for your child. And so after this uh, car accident and the, the procedure that they did, uh, what, what was your physical condition? Were you able to walk? What, what, what was it like for you? Uh, I was able to walk, I'd probably say about two weeks. I, I felt like about maybe 60, 70%, but I still had to basically start my yoga practice from beginning because, you know, I couldn't act like I didn't have this injury. You can't just go back in thinking you're a black belt after having spine surgery. <laughs> What's the psychology like to get back to it all over again like a beginner? Being that, you know, uh, contact sports were basically everything that I knew about growing up on top of just fighting as well. I've always been a fighter. I stood up for people. I stood up for myself. I stood up for other causes. So when my health was compromised, I said, it's time for me to fight for me. Like now I'm going to fight for my life. I'm going all in on all in. You know, and that's where the expression love yourself enough to struggle because we love cars, we love houses, we love handbags, we love, but very few people love themselves, especially loving themselves enough to struggle. When they get hit, hit with that health hiccup, they want to woe is me. And, and to me, that's when you got to be at your best. You know, give your all to yourself and let the world wait. That's what I learned. Be everything to you and let the world wait when that health hiccup happens or if it happens or when anything happens for that matter that's really you know life-changing you have to go all in for yourself it's alignment that's what basically happened with me i got aligned thanks for listening and thank you to all of our guests from our first season we're going to take a few weeks off to plan and record season two with a bunch of fantastic new guests new topics and new stories until then, don't forget to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. We've been hearing fantastic feedback from so many of you and it always encourages us. And if you're looking for new ways to explore conscious living, then please subscribe and join me on the Round Last Living app. In addition to this podcast, you'll find courses, classes, recipes, music, and much more to help you make positive changes while doing what you love. Until our next season, I'm Nitishanti. Goodbye. The stories we tell is a part of Roundglass, holistic well-being at your fingertips. Find out more at roundglass.com.